All right, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open up to James chapter 3, put it in there. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, we ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would just allow our hearts to receive it fresh, Lord, to not be all closed and bottled up, but Lord, right now, we just open ourselves to your words and whatever the Holy Spirit may speak to us. It may have nothing to do with the sermon. You may be talking a different line. God, we're open to that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, as I was preparing for the message, I was, <laughs> I'm going to kind of let you in on, on something that happened 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I, I was uh, in a college group. I know some of you are thinking, no. 20 years ago, you must have been in like elementary school, right? You know, I know you're thinking that, you know, I get that, you know, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 20 years ago, uh, I was in a college group uh, and, and I I was a new believer. I was not always a Christian. I had received, uh, I became a Christian as a young man. And so, and when I say that, I knew a lot about Christ, but I'd never actually prayed that prayer to receive Christ. And receive the Holy Spirit. I went through a lot of religious motions, but never actually said, Jesus, I make you my God. I want your spirit to fill me, and I'm going to follow after you. So I did that as a young man, and, and it was kind of a whole new world, because I'd, I'd never really gone to church much, wasn't really into the Christian thing at all for most of high school, and so I, it was kind of a whole new world for me. And, but I started doing a dangerous thing. I started reading the Bible just a little bit, you know, and I thought I knew enough to be dangerous, right? So we get into a discussion, and while I'm discussing something, I said, and the Holy Spirit came upon me, and, and all of a sudden I was stopped by another girl in the group. And she said, okay, that's great, but you know the Holy Spirit doesn't come upon people anymore. That's Old Testament, and the New Testament doesn't come upon people anymore. I'm like, who are you? to tell me, you know, I mean, I just, I, you know, she shamed me in front of all these other people, you know, made me feel like, you know, like I didn't know anything, and so I couldn't let this go, so I'm breaking open my Bible here and here, and I'm, I'm going to all these scriptures, and she's like, yeah, and finally I go, I'm getting the pastor, we were in his basement, so I went upstairs, and I got him, I came down, and the pastor said, oh yeah, Tom is right, oh, that felt so good. When everybody says Tom is right, it's like, ah, oh, more. You know, you just, you just can't, I don't hear it enough. You know, you just want you know, to get as much of that as you can. And so I remember walking out of that college, and, you know, and, and she was like, oh, okay, okay. I didn't mean to make a big deal out of it, you know. And, and I was like, well, I made a big deal out of it. And I remember walking home that night thinking, ha-ha, I won my first Bible fight. You know, I mean, come on, I won my first Bible fight, you know. So I was feeling strong, I was feeling tall, I was feeling a whole bunch of things. But as life has it, as I moved on, uh, you know, and, and uh, became a full-time pastor, and, and uh, I began to realize, you know, not being really raised in, in church or getting a lot of, of biblical stories in my head, that I should probably go and do that. And so, I, you know, at the time, uh, there was an opportunity for me to go to graduate school and, and to get a master's in the Bible. So I thought, that's a good idea. So I'm in seminary, and I'm in class, and I have the teacher in, in his New Testament theology class. And I'm sitting down, and he says, now about the Holy Spirit, 
you know, there's two differences. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon people. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit fills people. And I went, oh, oh. I said, wait, wait a second, you know. I felt strong about the girl in the college group, but the professor, I mean, come on, this guy, you know, I wasn't going to really arch my back with him. I went, uh, so, so what you're telling me is, so I said, oh, I got my, let's take a break. I get my Bible. I'm showing him all my scriptures. You know, I'm trying to win this Bible fight. But he had, for every scripture I had, he had five, you know. He was just loaded for bear. And, and he had really shown me how the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament came upon people like clothes. You know, he's like clothed with the Holy Spirit. But the beauty of the New Testament, the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus, is that the Holy Spirit, God, literally lives inside our hearts. He's like, you do believe that, Tom, right? I'm like, yeah. But you don't know what you just did to me. Because I won that fight, Ted. Yeah. I won that argument. They even said you were right. That felt so good. So now... I'm faced with the fact that I was wrong. And my pastor was wrong. Aren't you glad you'll never have that problem? You know, it's, it's a, it's a, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm really not that stuck on myself. But the, the fact was, I, I was wrong. She was right. And I was totally blown away. And I've carried this for nine years. So I'm, I'm going to pose the question to you. Because I'm still friends with this girl and her husband. They, uh, they passed her down in Los Angeles. And so would you make the phone call and say, you know what, I'm sorry we had this discussion and I was wrong and you were right and I just wanted to clear the air and make that the case? Or would you say, you know what, it's been 20 years, leave it alone, who cares? So those of you who think Pastor Tom should make the phone call, go ahead and raise your hand. Okay, you just, you just want to see me grovel, don't you? You just want to see me. All right, those of you who think it's been 20 years, move on. Don't worry about it. Go ahead and raise your hand. A few more of you. Few more. Should I call her right now? Okay, let's do it. We'll have a little fun here. All right. Uh, well, her husband probably is at this moment. Let's see. Carla Bull. Don't have her number. All right. That's, uh, <laughs> that's too bad. That's my, we'll just keep moving right along. <laughs> uh, okay. So let's, <laughs> I, will, I will call her probably nine years from now, but I will call her. So James chapter 3. All of this really leads me to the fact that I've come to the realization. I presume to know a lot more than what I actually do. I think all of us do that, you know? Uh, Nikolai, Kru- I think his name is Nikolai Khrushchev, the Soviet premier in the 50s, he said of Americans, he said, in America, everybody wants to be the coach. Everybody wants to be the teacher. Everybody wants to be the boss. That's the greatest weakness of the American culture. Everybody wants to be this and that, whereas in our Soviet culture, we submit to our leaders. Well, yeah, if you had a machine gun point in your face, you'd submit too. But, you know, but that was you know, one of the quotes I remember him saying, everybody wants to be the boss. And I've come to realize that I often 
presume to know a lot more about a subject than I actually do. I don't even know how or why, but I'll be talking, I'll be talking, and I'll be talking, and I won't say, now it is my opinion. I'll just start talking as if it's fact. And sometimes my wife will look at me and say, now is this real or is this what you think? If I said it, it's real, baby. You know, I mean, but, but so oftentimes, no, it's what I think. It's how I see the world. It's how I do this. Now. I can often begin to presume that I know a lot more about a subject than I actually do. Which takes me to James chapter three. He says in verse one, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. What's James saying? A controlled tongue is a controlled life. Controlled speech equals a self-controlled life. Beginning in verse 13, skip down to 13, skip all the analogies and go to 13. James says, who is wise and understanding among you? Well, let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it, nor deny the truth. For such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. He says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, you will find disorder and you will find evil. Verse 17, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, pure in motive, peace-loving, it's considerate of others, submissive, Merciful, filled with good fruit, impartial, doesn't show any favorites, and sincere, isn't being deceptive. In verse 18, he says, peacemakers who sow in peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. The Greek word translated teachers here is a very general word, and they would have understood it to mean something more like rabbi men who would travel around from synagogue to synagogue and they would be called a rabbi or one who was able to teach the word of God. Over 60 times in the New Testament, Jesus was referred to as a teacher and Jesus taught everywhere. He taught on the seashore. He taught on the mountains. He taught in the boats. He taught in the synagogue. He taught in the temple. He taught anybody from small groups to large crowds, to one individual, Jesus would teach anybody who would be willing to listen to him. In fact, Jesus uses this term of himself in John chapter 13, where it says, Jesus said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, because that's what I am. Jesus is a teacher. In fact, Jesus is the teacher. In John chapter three, verse two, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, he says, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. And so when we look at what James is getting at, he says, this verse really applies to anyone who claims to teach for God, 
or claims to teach about God. That when you assume the role of teacher, it's a very big responsibility. Because if the teachers get it wrong, the students get it wrong, right? If the parents get it wrong, the kids get it wrong. If the leader is going the wrong way, the followers are going the wrong way too. So my first point is, it's better to be wise than right. James is talking about wisdom. Wise speech is self-controlled. Wise speech is considerate. Wise speech is sincere. Wise speech is pure. Wise speech is peace-loving. Jesus is talking about wisdom, and he would say, it's better to be wise than right. In my family, there's kind of two sides in my family. One side is Christian, and one side is atheist. And they are very open about saying, we are atheist. We think you're nuts. We think there's no God. We can't understand how you could say there is. And of course, we say the same thing. We think you're nuts. How do you look at a tree and say that just happened? You know, I mean, so, you know, we, we have our, you know, but it's all in good fun for most of the time, you know. Well, there was recently a wedding, and it was one of the people from the atheist side were getting married. And they invited the whole family, and so the whole family came. And they didn't invite anybody from the whole family to be in the wedding. This this person just decided to have just their friends and and it was, it was kind of borderline satanic. I mean, they had a statue of a goat and a whole bunch of things. And, and the, the many members of the Christian side of my family could not keep their mouths shut. And so they start getting in a, what I call a right fight. You ever have a right? I'm right. I'm right. It's a right fight, you know? It, it, people don't really care about the outcome. At the end, they just want you to grovel and say, you were right, you know? So... Those are my favorite kind of fights, by the way. Anyway, so there's a big right fight going on with this wedding. It's going on and on and on until finally the bride looks and says, See, this is why we shouldn't have invited the Christians to the wedding. And I, I told the members of my family, Yeah, they're right. They're right. They're right. You're wrong. You don't go to a wedding and then impose your opinions when it's not asked for? They didn't ask you to do that. They didn't have anybody stand up. Maybe they didn't have anybody stand up because they didn't want the right fight to happen. That was chilling when that was told to me. When I heard that, you know? See, that's why we didn't want to invite the Christians to the wedding. I thought, man... It's better to be wise than right. Right fights are rarely ever from God. They just aren't. There's a wisdom that we have to have. You may have a good opinion. You may have a good conclusion. But the next step we have to take is, God, when is the right time to share this? And what is the right way? And I can guarantee you, a right fight is not that way. Number two, It's better to say, I don't know, when you honestly don't. It's much better to say, I don't know, when you honestly don't. Because once you claim to know and start telling people what you know, 
we will be held accountable for what we teach. People ask me, you know, do you get nervous before preaching on Sunday? And I've, you know, I've, I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, it's a personal agony to do this. About three or four minutes before I stand up to teach, I realize these words may carry influence, but more importantly, you're not the only ones listening to them. God is too. All of my sermons are going to be audited. And if I got it wrong and led someone wrong, that's on me. I will be held accountable for that. It's a big thing. And so, yeah, even though, I mean, yeah, I'm speaking in front of people, that's not nervous for me. If I was to come up here and give you a presentation on, I don't know, Johnson & Johnson Pharmaceuticals, I mean, I, I'd probably be on my Xbox until 30 seconds before I had to speak and then just hop up and do it. So just, you know, you know speaking in front of people is not the responsibility or the burden. It's what we're talking about, what we're sharing about. And I guess in some ways, I hope I never lose it because you don't want to cross over into that line of hypocrisy. I mean, if you want to learn how to fly an airplane, you really want to learn from somebody who can fly, right? If you're going to learn how to invest in the stock market, you want to hope that your teacher invested well in the stock market. If someone's going to teach you how to sing, don't you kind of want to hear them sing first? If they never sing for you, something's kind of off on that. If you want to learn from a pastor how to pray, you want to know it's not just a theory for them. But they they actually do it and have some testimonies as to the power of answered prayer. Sometimes it's recognizing what we don't know and, and, and and really kind of humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, I don't know a lot about this. A lot of times I get questions about evolution. And then I, I have to be honest with people. I'm not a scientist. I, I've never done one experiment on evolution. I've never done one. I, I can't even, I couldn't even begin to tell you, okay, well then how can you so not believe in evolution and so believe in creation? I'll tell you why. Because before I was a Christian, the local missionary where I lived, he said, stand and look at this tree for 10 minutes. And if you can walk away and say, with all your heart, it just happened, then I'll leave you alone and I'll never tell you about God again. When I walked away from that tree, honestly in my heart, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't come to grips that it just happened. It seems like life on this planet was guided by a very powerful force to make the equilibrium and everything just right so that life exists. Isn't that, that, that's what I do know. What I don't know, I don't know how, how it would have even happened. I read a book on it once. I didn't understand the book because I don't know science. I don't know how a perfect lightning strike can hit an amino acid that splits and then gyrates with the electricity, comes back together, forms a... Maybe I know more than I read, you know. (laughs) I mean, I've read on it, but I'm not some deep scientist on it, but I know what I know. I know when my eyes look when my kids were born, the powerful spiritual experience that was. I just had to walk back and say, I'm not some evolved animal. We're spiritual beings, luminous spiritual beings. Number three, it's better to stay silent when feelings are involved. 
It's better to stay silent when feelings are involved. When we start to get all emotional, we begin to really go down the path of lack of wisdom. Uh, When I was first a Christian, I started going to a church. And the only place I'd ever heard Bible verses was in a church. That just wasn't part of my world anywhere else. And so I remember it was really fun. I'd go in on Sunday and, you know, and I'd hear these Bible. Nobody had ever given me a Bible. I was brand new. And, and, uh, and I hear all these Bible verses and the pastor was a very nice guy and always shared a lot of Bible. And, and they had a little pew Bible. I'd be flipping back. I don't know where I'm at. You know, some nice man would always help me, you know, one of those situations. And I go outside of one church. I had stayed to mop. I lived in a foreign country, a tile everywhere. I'd stayed to help mop. And when I went out, two of the elders of the church were having an argument. And it was a big argument. It was an argument to the point where everybody was watching. And during the course of the argument, they start breaking out Bible scriptures on each other. And now they're throwing verses back and forth in this argument as their voices are getting louder and louder and louder. And you know what my thought was when I saw that? Man, I better learn the Bible so that I can win the fight when somebody starts yelling at me. But actually, I'm not, I'm not totally kidding. I remember, I remember I thought to myself, man, I really need to know the word or else people are going to, you know, start yelling at me and throwing verses. And I, it was only in the years to come that I realized God never gave us the Bible so that we would use it against each other. God never gave us the Bible so that we would win the right fight. I'm right, you're wrong. God gave us the Bible so that we would realize our words are nothing. His word is everything. Amen? (laughs) My wife here? She is. I'll skip that. I'll skip that story. (laughs) We'll just move right along. Uh, Point number four. (laughs) that's right i just made the wise choice better to be wise number four i'm also looking at the clock so don't worry (laughs) it's a bit of a long story Uh, number four it's better to pause before speaking too quickly you ever have a conversation with somebody and you realize they tuned you out long ago and they're already thinking of their answer you know you're, you're in a discussion, and instead of listening to what you're saying, they're already formulating their response. And, and you know, it's that kind of that speak too quickly. I love what uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 says. It should be on the screen here. Where there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is wise. The more we talk, the greater the danger. The more we talk, the greater the possibility. Man, it sounds awesome over there. <laughs> I just, I'm not going to lie. You know. The more we talk, the greater the possibility that we'll misquote something, misread something, misunderstand something, or say something we can never take back. I know we say, you know, take those words back. You can't take words back. Once you say them, whether you change your mind or not, in that moment you meant to say them, it's hard. It's better to pause, to pause, than to just keep going and going and going and going. And all of a sudden the words are just pure emotion 
And as they're coming out, you're thinking, uh-oh, I wish I hadn't said that, you know. Better to pause. Stop yourself. How does this apply to, apply to teachers of the Bible? Sometimes when I'm saying stuff about God, I'll get really excited. I'll start going, I'll start going, I'll start going. And all of a sudden, without realizing it, I've gone into not what I can prove from Scripture, but what I think. Especially when people ask me what happens after you die. I have an opinion, but I don't always say this is my opinion. You know, I'll just say, well, this had, da, 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 and I got to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, whoa, 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 stop! Your mouth! Tom, shut your mouth! Because if you're wrong and this person buys this, then it's on you. And so for someone who uses their mouth for a living, it's, 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 it's a hard word here this morning. And then the last point, number five, God's words give us the best blessing ever, controlled speech. If there's anything, I want you to walk out of here this morning. Controlled speech. Whether you're teaching or not. Controlled speech equals a controlled life. Uncontrolled speech, I've known some of these people. Their lives are just as crazy as their words. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. Listen to what Jesus says. For by your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words... You will be condemned. <laughs> a few years ago, someone had come in and they had said, Pastor Tom, you had said something that hurt me. And I don't know why, but that day, I just was not ready to take it. And so I'm getting angry inside. I'm looking at this person like, you know what? Why can't you extend me a little grace? Why can't you think that Pastor Tom does not wake up in the morning wanting to hurt somebody. I obviously didn't mean to hurt you. Could you give me a little grace? I mean, I'm just getting angry at this person. And before they had stopped their sentence, I'm already formulating this big teaching on grace that I'm about to unload on them in a not-so-friendly way. And it was in that moment that it just kind of hit me. I'm not the teacher Jesus is. I'm not the boss. Jesus is. I'm not the coach. Jesus is. You want to make sure your words acquit you? Let your words be Jesus' words. Begin to realize, you know what? To be honest with you, you shouldn't take much stock in anything I say. I know some of you are going, what was the church going to close today? You, know? <laughs> you shouldn't take stock in anything I say. Because you know what? If it comes from me, it's untrustworthy. It's limited by my limited life and my limited scope of events and my limited way to perceive things in my limited brain, in my limited body, in my limited emotions. If I say it, Don't trust it. But if Jesus says it, if Jesus says it, don't ever forget it. I'm not the teacher. Jesus is. And too many times I've said the wrong things 
in the wrong way, in the wrong tone. And I'll have to live with that. And that'll be with me for a long time. But if I can stand before you and say anything this morning, let Jesus be the teacher. Let his greatest gift be the words that he's given us through the Bible. Know those, say those, repeat those, think about those, and you will be taught. You'll be taught love, grace, mercy, blessing, life. Words. Words. Let us be careful of our own and let us be generous with God's. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Close your eyes. As we close this morning, just before we end today, I know for many years I thought I was born into Christianity. No one had ever told me that at some point in your life you'll have to choose Christ for yourself. And so I'd like to make the invitation for that choice here in church this morning. You want Jesus' words to flood your heart, Jesus' love to cover your life, Jesus' forgiveness to fill every broken part. We reach out and we ask him. We say, Jesus, I make you my Lord and my Savior. Jesus, I invite your spirit into my heart. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Jesus, wherever you are in the afterlife, that's where I want to be forever. And Jesus says, all you have to do is ask and he'll give it. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, whether for the first time or you just want to say it again, you want to rededicate, say, you know what, Jesus, I got to say it again because my heart is leaping and I want to redeclare my faith in Christ. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please just begin to look up at me right now. Amen. 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 So many. You know, why don't we just all say this together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all my sins. I make you my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your spirit and let your words be my words and my words based on your words. In Jesus' name, amen.